and welcome to NSTA, The Bus Stop. This is the official podcast of the National School Transportation Association. I'm Kurt Mackison, the executive director, and today our guest is Rich Kelly from R.C. Kelly Law Associates. But before we get to Rich, I just want to give a brief member update, and that's on September 9th, which is Wednesday at 1 p.m. We're going to have another in our NSTA Flash webinar series. This webinar is going to be cleaning, sanitizing, and disinfecting school buses, do's and don'ts. We're going to have, as presenters, uh, representatives from the OEMs, um, as well as a couple other panelists. But save the date. It's Wednesday, September 9th at 1 p.m., cleaning, sanitizing, and disinfecting school buses, do's and don'ts. That's another of the NSTA Flash webinar series. So at NSTA, the bus stop today, we have Rich Kelly. Uh, everyone knows Rich as the NSTA legal counsel from R.C. Kelly Law Associates. So welcome to the bus stop, Rich. Thanks, Kurt. Delighted to be here. Great. And I know you've uh, been busy and, and folks know that you're the legal counsel for NSTA, but you've also been working with so many contractors around the country as they look to receive continuing payments through the COVID-19 pandemic. Rich, can you give us just a brief snapshot of the state of affairs around the country from your vantage point? Um, sure, uh, happy to do so. And I think it's important though to, to consider perspective. Uh, our firm or really any law firm gets a call from a contractor uh, if, they, if the contractor has been unable to resolve an issue with their school district customer on their own. Uh, I know a lot of schools worked effectively with their contractors to reach agreement, uh, but there's a lot of schools that have not, you know, some because they have legitimate issues of uncertain funding, uh, but also others who perhaps were taking advantage of a dire situation by demanding concessions from contractors in exchange for partial payment or simply refusing payment and using transportation funds for other purposes. I, I see issues driven primarily by individual perspectives above all else. Uh, two people reading the same exact law or statute or regulation may reach an opposite conclusion that comports with their own individual worldview of what's right or wrong under the situation. Uh, and that may or may not comport with um, you know, what, what we as contractors see as right and wrong and necessary uh, for the stability of uh, uh, transportation for students. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And I think one area... Um, that we've seen causing problems for student transportation is the fact that reopening plans in a lot of different places have not been set in concrete yet. Um, I just know in New Jersey, Governor Murphy changed his course and that affected many school district reopening plans there. Is uncertainty an issue you see playing out in school districts at this point? Yeah, I, I think it might even be a driving issue. Um, you know, I've had many situations where uh, negotiations to to resolve an issue with a school district were derailed by a press uh, release, you know, by a governor or by uh, you know someone at a school district or a health department, um, you know, because okay, we're we're close to a deal, everybody's on the same page, and then the landscape changes. Uh, so, I, you know, I I understand why it it creates turmoil. But that, that doesn't, I think, create stability for the students, even though that's what they're kind of trying to do. I mean, before COVID, there was a school bus driver shortage. Uh, you know, school bus drivers are like uh, firemen, police, emergency medical techs. They're professionals that serve an important public need. Uh, but, you know, the turmoil 
uh, of COVID is, is causing further disruption within school bus transportation professionals that could force drivers and, and companies to leave the industry. Uh, you know, the real issue is the short-sighted refusal of some schools to recognize that despite all of that uncertainty, there's important public policy need to support school bus drivers and school bus fleets so that they're ready and available for students. You know, schools have just got to look past the uncertainty and work with contractors in good faith, you know, as required by the statutes that are out there to secure drivers and fleets for the benefit of the students because they're going to return at some point and they're going to need transportation. Right, and that's a key point, that at some point in time, uh, school is going to return. Now, and it seems like 100 years ago, but now you and I hosted uh, through NSTA several web webinars where we talked about contracts and how the pandemic has really altered the landscape school bus contractors operate in. But I just want to focus on one area that we've emphasized, and that's the contractor's partial performance of the contract. Um, ensuring the continuity of service, if you will. Can you explain that concept to listeners and why it's so important for contractors to highlight this? Yeah, I think it's it's a critical concept that inherently school bus contractors understand because they're in the business and they know all of the detail and the work and the stuff that has to happen just to get the driver behind the wheel. But, you know, for the, the layperson or for the person that's not a uh, transportation professional, you know, they don't see all of that work. All they know is the bus drives up and there's a guy behind or a, or a lady behind the wheel driving and then the bus leaves and they think that's the entirety of the job. So they're, they're not fully understanding that there is a lot of partial performance that the schools expect and demand the contractors do while school is closed, maintaining insurance on the buses, um, financing uh, the, the vehicles. In fact, a lot of those uh, bus finance agreements are secured by personal guarantees of the business owner. So, you know, their, their own personal assets, their own personal homes are at stake in situations like that. Uh, contractors are maintaining their facilities, whether they're paying their rent or they're paying mortgage on a property that they own. Uh, that garage doesn't go away. Uh, the maintenance of the buses doesn't go away while they're stationary. You know, think of your own situation. You put the lawnmower in the shed for a, a month or, or several months over the winter, and, and, you know, it's not like in the spring you go out and start it up and it's ready to go. It's like the uh, weekend's project to get it ready to run. Same thing with a bus, only you've got, you know, perhaps 50, perhaps 100. Um, certifications of the drivers, uh, state inspections of the vehicles. Uh, clearances for the drivers, uh, and often the routing, or recruiting of drivers, training of drivers, uh, all of these things, like I said, they're not only happening, but the schools know that they're happening and expect them to happen. So it, this, this perception that the contractor is doing nothing or providing no service merely because there's not a driver behind the wheel is, is obviously inaccurate. And it's important for the drivers or for the contractors to be able to explain that and, and convey that clearly to the schools that they're requesting partial payments from. Yeah. And um, as so often happens in you know legal affairs, uh, one concept kind of merges into another concept. And something that we've discussed on those webinars was the idea of unjust enrichment. Um, and how school districts are benefiting from the contractor's partial performance. Can you briefly explain the legal theory of unjust enrichment to the uh, listeners? 
Yeah, I can. And and it's just kind of a a, a theory that doesn't get a lot of normal day-to-day play, but it, it really <clears throat> is the appropriate remedy uh, for some of these issues that have, have come upon uh, with the, the COVID and the transportation situation. People are familiar with breach of contract. People are familiar with negligence, uh, but they're less familiar with the law of equity. That's where unjust enrichment cause of action comes from. The elements generally are that, one, a benefit is conferred upon a party, like a school district, by a plaintiff, like a contractor. Um, the, the defendant or the uh, school district uh, then appreciates that benefit, meaning, hey, I'm glad you did that and I'm going to get the benefit of it. And then the third element is that the defendant or the school district's acceptance and retention of that benefit, like schools restarting and your bus shows up, um, under circumstances that would make it just unfair and inequitable for the school district to retain that benefit without paying the value. Those are the elements of unjust enrichment. Now, it's not as simple as I make it sound, proving those three elements, especially when the equitable remedy follows a breach of contract. But the purpose of the law of equity is to achieve a just and fair resolution when the circumstances are not as simple as a dispute over dollars. And this isn't just a dispute over dollars. It's about the stability of transportation so that kids can get education. If the court can be made to understand that school bus drivers are essential workers who will leave the profession for other jobs in order to feed their families and pay their bills if they can't find stability working as a school bus driver, then the courts will understand that equity dictates that contractors should be paid for the partial work that they're doing while school is closed. That's uh, really, really interesting. And um, I, I guess one area where we see this you know, playing out is New Jersey. And I we just have a few minutes left, but I understand there's litigation brewing that really centers around the open invoices and school reopening plans. Can you give us a thumbnail sketch of what's going on there and how it could potentially affect contractors around the country? Yep, I, I can. And, and there are uh, at least a dozen or more cases that are pending in New Jersey, uh, certainly that we're prosecuting and that there's other firms prosecuting them as well for on behalf of a number of uh, school bus contractors. New Jersey passed a good statute that says explicitly that if schools have a health-related closure for more than three days, then the school district shall continue to make payments to its contracted service providers as if the school remained open. And to the extent that renegotiations are needed, the statute requires those negotiations to occur in good faith, not take it or leave it. The absence of good faith negotiation by some schools is the issue that's being litigated in the courts. We're hopeful, hopeful that the courts in New Jersey will understand that the schools need to work with contractors in good faith as required by the New Jersey statute to secure drivers and fleets for the benefits of the students. And, you know, reasonable payments is what is going to make that happen. Yeah. And, um, you know, we wish you, um, you know, good luck in, in, in that endeavor in New Jersey, because it's going to be critical, I think, for the industry moving forward. Now, one of the areas, um, hopefully that, uh, you, you've seen more traction. I know you have, but, um, uh, maybe some listeners may not know is the business council program through uh, NSTA. So R.C. Kelly Law Associates is a royalty partner of NSTA. And Rich, you provide uh, 
you know, service through the business council program to members of NSTA. Can you briefly describe um, that program in case, uh, you know, a listener or two out there is unfamiliar with it? Yeah, I can. It's uh, it's a member benefit uh, for NSTA members. Uh, and, you know, the concept is fairly simple. Uh, school bus negotiations are um, and school bus contracts are a very particular, very specific uh, endeavor. Uh, contractors know this. They they know that it's not your typical contract negotiations where you have one party and another party. You know, you've got a contractor and you've got to explain your needs to the administration for the school. And the school administrators need to convince the board that uh, this contract is appropriate and the pricing and, and terms are right. And the parents have a vested interest because ultimately the customer is the student. So you've got a lot of hands in there that have an interest in how that contract works and how the negotiations roll forward and what's right and fair. Um, on top of that, you've got solicitors that represent the board or the school district. Uh, and there's just a, a, a real unique environment for school bus contract negotiations that a lot of very, very capable contract attorneys simply aren't familiar with. Uh, school bus is also a very highly regulated area. So in addition to that negotiating environment, you've got regulatory agencies in the form of the Department of Transportation, Department of Education, Department of Homeland Security at both the state and the federal level that are putting requirements onto school bus contractors and dictating what they do, how they do it, when they do it, and who's qualified or not. So the intersection of all of these competing things are the sort of things that our firm specializes in. We understand school bus contractors. I guess in the vernacular, we uh, we bleed yellow, so to speak. Uh, but uh, we get it in a way that's got great value and utility uh, that uh, we can help the contractors. We can even help their local attorneys that may be less familiar with these kinds of environments and, and tactics. And uh, again, it's a a benefit that's available to members of NSTA uh, as a part of your member benefit. Uh, if we you know, are asked to uh, actually represent uh, one of the members, we certainly do that. Uh, and, and that you know, sort of representation would be for a fee. But we can solve a lot of things in a 30-minute consultation, which is uh, the sort of stuff that uh, comes with your, uh, your membership. Great. Yeah. And it's been something that's been utilized effectively you know, throughout the pandemic. And if folks want to find out more you know, about the BCP, you know, how can I reach you? Um, yep. Our uh, office uh, is is on the internet, uh, www.rckelly.com. That's R-C-K-E-L-L-Y. And our number here at the office is uh, 215-896-3846. We've got a bunch of attorneys and professionals that are familiar with the various uh, facets, not not just the contract negotiations, but even the HR uh, issues, human relation, uh, human resource issues, uh, the regulatory issues, compliance, um, uh, FMCSA, uh, all of those sorts of things are available uh, at our website. Uh, we've got uh, a legal focus library of articles that are on uh, topics that matter to school bus contractors and uh, I guess the website or a phone call to us is as simple as uh, as it needs to be, and and you know we can we can get back with you and, and help you with your situation. Ter terrific, and um, so much great information, Rich. Always a pleasure having you on NSTA, the bus stop. I'm sure we'll have you back as the New Jersey cases wind their way through the 
the legal process over there. Once again, everyone, Rich Kelly, he's with the R.C. Kelly Law Associates and he's the uh, NSTA Legal Counsel. So, Rich, thanks so much for joining us at NSTA The Bus Stop. Thanks, Kurt. Delighted to be here and uh, happy to be working with uh, NSTA members.